Welcome to Evidence to Excellence, news in neuroplasticity and rehab powered by The Recovery Project. We want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. We're glad that you're here because this podcast is designed to keep you updated on what's new in research and evidence in the neurorehabilitation world. Now, here's your host, Polly Swingle, CEO and co-owner of The Recovery Project. Hi, everybody. My name is Polly Swingle, and we are here today for our podcast, Evidence to Excellence. And I am so sorry, we have not been here um, producing a podcast in almost six to nine months. Um, But at the Recovery Project, we have been really, really busy, and a lot of really exciting things have been happening here at the Recovery Project. So before we get into today's subject, um, I want to fill you guys in out there of a little bit about what we've been working on at the Recovery Project. So first of all, in our past podcasts, we have tossed talked about our wellness programs. And when the pandemic hit, as you guys all know, we moved everything virtually and we did that pretty darn quickly. And we've had ton of success with our virtual wellness classes. But now that the world is changing somewhat with the pandemic, we have now started a hybrid model for our wellness classes where we now have still the virtual and I think we'll always do the virtual, but we also are having in-person wellness classes at our Livonia clinic as well as our Clinton Township clinic. So please check out our website to find out more about that. Um, We also have been super excited because we have moved our headquarters in Livonia to a a brand new location about three or four weeks ago. And we increased the size of our headquarters, which has our Livonia clinic and all of our admin to uh, 17,000 square foot. So it's a beautiful building. Um, If you're ever interested in coming in for a tour, would love to see it, please give us a call. But also you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and you can see some of the virtual tours that we have set up of our new facility. Also adding some really great new equipment in our Livonia headquarters. Um, We are also um, excited because we are now CARF accredited. So we went through our survey in November. We passed with flying cover colors, and um, we have our three-year accreditation for CARF. So that was a lot of work, but we did it, and we feel really good about that. Um, also in December, I told you there was a lot going on. We also had an opportunity to add to our programs, and um, we went ahead and bought another um, program company that did residential and community um, rehab for individuals that suffer from a motor vehicle accident. So we call that our RCR program, which is residential and community rehab. So that's up and going. Um, It is following all of our core values. We are bringing the evidence that you see in our outpatient facilities into the home. So that is something new. We have a great staff and we are excited to build that program even more. And in that program, we are offering PT, OT, speech, um, massage, personal training, and recreational therapy. So if you have that need out there, go ahead and give us give us a call. We continue to grow our sports and ortho program. I know that we've had some people on the podcast talking about that, but that's another program that continues to grow here at the Recovery Project. 
Um, today we are going to talk about another new program that we started developing probably about a year ago, and that's pelvic health. So we're going to dive really deep into that program in just a moment. But before we do that, I want you to stay posted, keep your ear and your eyes on the recovery project. So make sure that you follow us again on Instagram and Facebook, because we have some exciting new programs that will be coming this year. I'll give you a little hint, a little highlight. We are developing a intensive stroke program, something that you have not seen yet really in the United States. So we're pretty excited about that to offer this type of a evidence-based program, intensive program to our stroke population. So more to come on that. So boy, that was a lot. So let's get started. So today we're here to talk about pelvic health. And I am so blessed and so fortunate to have two experts sitting right in front of me. And I even and more fortunate because they work for the Recovery Project. So I will not do them justice. So I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. I have Jess and Corinne here. And Jess is a PT and Corinne's in OT. And we're going to dive really deep into pelvic health. And hopefully you all will learn something about this topic. Um, and if you have a need for some rehab in this top in this area, we are here for you. So let's go ahead and get started. Jess, I'm going to start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Okay. Uh, my name is Jess Somerville. I'm a doctor of physical therapy and the one of the lead physical therapists at the Recovery Project. I began here in 2016 um, after graduating from the University of Colorado, and I have specialized in the treatment of neurological disorders. I have a lot of passion about working with people with neurological disorders and also became interested in the pelvis floor, pelvic floor dysfunction that many of them have. Um, so many of our clients are living with urinary incontinence or sexual dysfunction, and I felt like they were not really being fully served um, by our, my scope at that time. So since then, I branched into some pelvic floor therapy and then as well into the oncology sector um, and more recently maternal care. So I have taken pelvic floor level one and pregnancy rehabilitation through Herman and Wallace, which is a wonderful, um, wonderful company that does a lot of continued education for pelvic floor rehab. And then I'm also certified in foundations of oncology as well as pelvic cancer and lower extremity rehabilitation through PORI, which stands for the Physiological Oncology Rehabilitation Institute, also a really wonderful program. So also, I just wanted to add, Justin say she was also just promoted oh. <laughs> to uh, one of our lead PTs. So she is so talented, and we are so fortunate to have her. And we also so fortunate for Corinne. So Corinne, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Corinne DePrima. I am an occupational therapist with eight years of experience, four years of which have been here at the Recovery Project in Livonia. I attended AT Still University in Arizona, where my coursework was collaborative with PT and rich in physical disabilities, neuroanatomy, and also very deep in psychology. During my time here at TRP, I've become certified in vital stem dysphagia therapy, and I'm an active member of the Oncology, Functional Movement Disorder, and Public Health Medical Programs. I have completed my continuing education. Also, a lot of it has been with Herman Wallace. I did the 1A, which is a general public health course, 
The 2A, which is the colorectal and coccyx conditions, it also delves into male pelvic floor and pudendal nerve dysfunction. And then also the 2B, which is urogynecological examination and treatment intervention. So it was just a much deeper dive into female conditions. I'm doing the postpartum rehabilitation course, and I'm also doing a more in-depth PT essential course in different ideas and treatment interventions that are a little more in-depth. So you can see everybody out there, these guys are extremely educated and expert in this field. So um, I'm sure they have just so much of a wealth of knowledge to share with us today. So let's dive, let's dive into this right now. So Jess, why don't we start with you and what is the pelvic floor? Why don't you explain to that? I mean, why is it important? Do we all have it? <laughs> we all we all have one, both men and women. I think there's an understanding out there that pelvic floor is just for females, but that's that's not really the case. It's a collection of muscles, ligaments, and tendons that pay a, play a big role in our continence and our sexual function, as well as our postural control. Um, it sits in between on the basin of your pelvis, and it helps us with continence and sexual function. Uh, one thing that I find really interesting about the pelvic floor for the physiology geeks out there is that 70% of the fibers in the pelvic floor are slow twitch and 30% are fast twitch. So what that means is that they are really stability muscles. They should be on almost all of the time. Um, when we do treatments, we work both with the fast contractions as well as the slow. Um, the pelvic floor is easy to remember with its five S's. So support, supports all of our organs, both um, sexual and bowel. Sphincteric, having control over the opening and closings for our bowel and bladder is very important. Sexual function, stability throughout the lumbopelvic spine, and a sump pump. Um, our, our pelvis is full of lymph nodes, and you don't know that they're functioning properly until they're not. And that's when a lot of our cancer patients that have had radiation or surgery in their pelvis um, can experience that lower extremity lymphedema. So much like other muscles in our body, when they're functioning properly, we don't really know that it exists. But when it's not functioning the way that it should, having any one of those five S's impaired can really, really impact your quality of life. Yeah, I know when when um, we started talking about developing a, a pelvic floor program here at the Recovery Project, um, it was coming that I want to say almost the majority of our neuro patients have a complaint mm -hmm. regarding exactly what you were just talking about. And we thought, you know, this is really an area, it falls right under our umbrella, right in our wheelhouse that we really should start addressing because when I hear you say this, the first thing that comes to my mind is a quality of life issue. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge quality of life. And, and as we talk to our patients, and some of our patients have paralysis and some really devastating things, a lot of them will say, if I could just get control of my bladder. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's so, so important. So Corinne, I mean, we talked about your training and, you know, when I heard you guys talking about all of the coursework and the studying that you have done, I have not done that. This is not something that I feel I could just dive into with a patient and say, hey, everybody, I can address and treat your pelvic floor. <laughs> I mean, you have to have the education to do that. So tell me a little bit, what exactly is pelvic floor therapy? 
So pelvic floor therapy is a group of interventions that works towards restoring pelvic floor function. So that can look like addressing bowel and bladder incontinence, prolapse that occurs, pregnancy and postpartum issues, surgical procedure recovery, scar mobilization and adhesions that can form from that, and then also addressing pain that sometimes is an unknown origin. Um, And it's important to note, as Jess said, that it's for men and women. It's not just something that women need. So, so Jess, you know, you kind of touched a little bit on this, you know, some of the common diagnoses that either we may see or that other people are diagnosed with out there or symptoms that would require somebody to see, seek out pelvic health therapy or a pelvic health therapist that's a specialist in that area. Yeah, so I think that most of the time people immediately think about urinary incontinence, um, but there's also bowel incontinence or urgency that we can intervene with. There's different types of incontinence. So it's important to get a full evaluation so we can establish what type of incontinence you're experiencing and then come up with a developed treatment plan for that. Sexual dysfunction is a big one that we would want to address as well. You know, we are not sex therapists, but in order to have a a good sex life, you want you don't want it to be painful. And some of that pain may be coming from soft tissue restrictions. And that's where that's where a therapist would come in to help us to help one with that. Um, going to the bathroom should not be pa- painful, nor should it be in sitting. And a lot of that again can come from soft tissue restrictions. Difficulty voiding or going um, constipation is something that our Clients with Parkinson's and MS specifically really struggle with. Uh, Corinne and I have both had some success with conservative techniques, um, some general advice on on toileting habits, and that has made a world of difference for a few of our clients. Post-surgical scar mobilization, prolapse of um, sexual organs, pelvic pain, low back pain, pregnancy or postpartum. It is, Corinne and I are both nodding along to this, but in other countries, women after they have either cesarean birth or vaginal birth have an immediate referral to a therapist, a pelvic floor therapist. That's not our standard of practice in the U.S. And I really find that it, it would help so many people getting into that, getting ahead of the issue with the preventative care, even just basic education for, for new moms on how to move, how to cough, how to have a bowel movement without the pain associated with that after, after delivery of a child. Um, oncology rehab is also a huge interest of ours. Pelvic radiation disease is um, something that you want to see a therapist for that has experience and education in that realm. There's so many considerations with those patients because of how complex their treatments are. Chemotherapy can also cause urinary incontinence. And then exercise gener- general exercise recommendations. We want to be cautious with movement for peripartum women or postpartum, as well as our patients who are undergoing radiation to their pelvis or have had surgeries and there may be pain, scar tissue restrictions, or bone density issues. Wow. So (laughs) that's a lot of symptoms. That's a lot of diagnoses I can think of in my career. And I've been doing this a lot longer than you guys. Almost every single patient I think I've ever seen had Mm -hmm. one of those issues. So Corinne, what exactly, as a pelvic health therapist, what do you do? So during the initial visit, you're going to meet with the patient and collaborate to 
come up with a plan of treatment. Um, and a lot of that is based off of what their specific needs are, what works into their lifestyle, and what they're able to do at home. So I know that um, you've kind of talked about, Jess, you've talked about the pelvic floor muscles, mm-hmm. and you've talked about the strengthening of them, and I know there's some lengthening of them if they're not as strong. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, those exercises, explain to the audience what you mean about that and the difference? Definitely. So one of the first things people say is like, oh, Kegels, sure. I do them at the stoplight. Mm-hmm. You know, every stoplight I'll do my Kegels, and that's that's what that's what I've been told. It There's so much more to that. With any for the therapists out there, you know, with any muscular dysfunction, it can be that it's not coordinated. It can be that there's trigger points and it's tight and it's painful, or it can be that it's it's loose and it's weak and you need strengthening. Without knowing what the problem is, prescribing Kegels can really be a big problem. And I think that the exercise prescription has been oversimplified to just include Kegels for, for patients who could maybe benefit from lengthening as well. In order to have a muscle function properly, you want it to both contract and then adequately relax. And the tone in when you are relaxed should be a normal length. Um, there are plenty of people who would really benefit, especially our pelvic pain patients, that would benefit from lengthening exercises. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a yoga person, you'll appreciate the child's yes. pose. Yes. Happy <laughs> baby, cat cow, butterfly stretch. Those are all really great and accessible lengthening exercises for people that will benefit from letting their pelvic floor relax and let go of some of that tone rather than just squeezing the muscles and increasing um, the tone around it. So, you know, this is, this can be a very uncomfortable topic for some of our patients to talk about is it's, it can be very private Mm -hmm. depending on somebody's background and comfort level. It may be something that they have never talked about, not just the incontinence, but from the side of difficulty with the having sex and pain Mm -hmm. in that region. So I'm sure when you first introduce that, do introduce this to a patient, you say, Hey, I, I can help you. What is that first appointment look like? So a first appointment, you meet with the patient, you discuss extensively their history. So a lot of talking goes on during the first appointment. There's a lot of history of um, any pelvic issues, any obstetric issues, whether they were normal pregnancies and births, et cetera, if they were C-sections, that sort of thing. And also you want to look at their orthopedic history throughout their entire lifetime because sometimes that surgery you had when you were two months old has created adhesions that can be affecting the pelvic floor. So sometimes it's things that people aren't even putting on their radar Mm -hmm. as something that could have affected things. Uh, We're also going to look at an assessment of their posture, their muscle length, their strength and tone, also the lumbar lumbopelvic muscles and diaphragm function. So a lot of what we're doing in the first um, meeting is nothing to even do with the pelvic floor. If there's time and we get to the internal exam portion, if they are comfortable with it, um, that internal assessment uh, is going to examine their tissue health, also the muscle length, strength, and tone of the pelvic floor, and their ability to coordinate properly. Um, And if they're having a pain syndrome, we want to look to reproduce that pain so that we can kind of find the underlying cause and the origin of it. Uh, we also want to look at lifestyle factors and hormone changes because sometimes changes with um, menopause and things like that can affect pelvic health. 
And then um, I think it's important to know that all of this information comes into play when we are developing the treatment plan because, again, it looks very individual for every person, which is why, again, just prescribing Kegels is not always the correct answer. You can't strengthen a muscle that needs to be lengthened. So sometimes, and I, I do often explain this to people when they're having stress incontinence and they need that lengthening, it can increase their incontinence for a little while until we get to the strengthening portion. But I think it's important to know that that can happen. Well, I think it's education, right, right. and communication. Right. And that is such an important, um, that is so important for any health professional to, to talk about that. You know, one thing I wanted to add is that, um, you know, even you guys have done some telehealth. Mm-hmm appointments where we have, you know, we have clinics, not just here in Livonia and Clinton Township in Lansing, and some of those other therapists had patients that needed your guys um, consultation, let's Mm -hmm. say. So you have even consulted with patients, telehealth, and really have gotten such positive, positive feedback and helped these patients out. So just telling our audience that sometimes just having that, like you said, that initial, initial conversation in finding out and educating that patient can be beneficial. Um, So is there anyone who is not appropriate for pelvic floor therapy, Jess? We're absolutely. Um, I would really hesitate seeing anyone under 18 years old you know, what, if we're doing a, a pelvic floor assessment of the muscles, we always want to offer our clients the option to have a second person in the room because it is such a sensitive topic and we want everyone to feel comfortable with what we're doing. With a less than 18-year-old, it would need to be a parent and there would need to be parental consent. Um, again, sexual trauma survivors, a lot of hesitation around doing pelvic floor evaluation with them. Um, six, less than six weeks postpartum, we don't, we don't want to do anything invasive for those people as well. Atrophic vaginitis, extreme radiation damage, an active infection, or those that have never had a vaginal exam would be, would be clients that we would really hesitate or absolutely not do a intravaginal assessment on. So it's so important to get that history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Having that first conversation with them and really spending that time one-on-one to get the history. Um, in our world of rehab, we give all of our patients a home exercise program. Um, is this something then in this specialty area that also in the pelvic floor where you'd give a home exercise program? Absolutely. It is an integral part of the treatment plan because the time that we're in therapy is great, but really it's the work that you're putting in yourself outside too that's really going to actively supplement what we're working on in therapy. So once again, those home exercise programs are going to be tailored specifically to the client and whatever their specific um, issues are, but it could include stretching or strengthening, coordination exercises, uh, use of dilators or wands for stretching tissue or for performing trigger point releases internally on themselves. Um, And it possibly could include use of personal biofeedback devices, as well as internal electrical stimulation devices that, again, are personal to the patient um, and controlled by them. And all I think it's important to note, though, too, that all of this education is going to take place in clinic with your therapist. So you're comfortable performing these exercises and things before you go home. And then... um, yeah, we just always want to make sure that you're able to perform it properly. Right. You know, I think what what I've learned um, from you guys is that, first of all, this is such a needed service. 
again, changes the quality of life of an individual um, throughout their lifespan, you know, that it sounds like incontinence, you shouldn't just accept it just because you're getting older or you've had multiple children and And you're like, oh, well, that just goes with having three children. And that there's definitely treatment. And even from the the (laughs) male side of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have those issues as well Mm -hmm. if it's incontinence, if it's pain in the the pelvic region. Um, You know, we see this in the world of rehab that there are pelvic floor um, specialists, but I've learned that that education is crucial, mm-hmm. that it's not something that you can just read an article in and say, now I'm a pelvic floor specialist, that that education is so important. So for everybody out there that's listening, I know that we get people that listen to our podcast from all over the country, you know, do your research. You know, if you're out there and you feel that you have an issue with um, some of these pelvic health issues that we've talked about, do your research, ask those questions. You know, what is the education of the therapist that you're going to be seeing? Sounds like over the phone, virtually, you can have that conversation to see if that's a Mm -hmm. good fit, that um, you are comfortable with your clinicians that's sitting across from you to talk about these very personal issues. So Jess, why don't you tell us, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the recovery project, but some of our patients that live locally um, and they are hearing this and having some of these issues, how can they become a patient? Well, many of our patients are pre-existing patients here that have confided in their own therapists that they're having issues with incontinence or other constipation, pelvic floor dysfunction, and we'll do a one-off swap with them. So they'll, they'll see me for an hour and stay on schedule with their typical therapist. And I find that to be really helpful, at least to open the door and provide some education that could make an immediate change. For new patients, um, physical therapists in this state have direct access. So you are welcome to come in, schedule an appointment, be evaluated by a therapist, and then I will send the plan of care to your doctor. Or if you prefer to consult with your physician first, you just request a script from your doctor and have that sent over to the recovery project and call and try to get on either my schedule or Corinne. So I just want to ask one more question is, you know, when I, when, what I know, and again, I'm a PT and the pelvic floor is strengthening. I mean, I Mm -hmm. knew that basic. I am not a specialist in this area. I think the benefit of having Corinne as an occupational therapist, and I know you've talked about this with patients and with our staff, if you can share with our audience, where does pelvic floor fall in the scope of OT? So it is typically an area that's been addressed by physical therapists in the past. And even when you take the courses, there are a few of us intermingled, but it's not, it's probably not the norm as of yet. However, we do have a lot of similar training. And as I talked about my school, a lot of our courses were uh, intermingled with physical therapy. So I feel like I got a lot of the same education, not completely, but a lot of the same. Uh, But we work in ADLs. So we're working with activities of daily living. We're working on toileting and things like that with patients. So I feel like it's much more likely to come up in the in in the initial conversations that we're having during evaluations um, when we're working with people and during toileting and bathing and things like that. These conversations come up because we're in the mix doing it. So I think that's part of it. But I think we also bring a, a, a different perspective 
in our treatment of things since we, um, I, I mean, my particular training had a lot of psychology to it. And I found that some of those components have been really helpful for people with pain issues as yeah. well. So, yeah, and I agree. And that's kind of why I asked that question, because I think we, we say this all the time when, when I talk to other um, clinicians in these podcasts of the multidisciplinary approach, mm -hmm. you know, is so beneficial. So you guys out there in the audience, if you're working with a PT, you know, really talk about that. Do I need to have also an occupational therapist or flip it mm -hmm. OT? Do I also need to have a physical therapist, but really looking at treating that patient as a whole? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to thank you guys. Um, for all of your expertise and for sharing all of your knowledge with us. And you guys out there, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. We will have another podcast very, very soon with another exciting topic and to share with you all of the exciting things that are happening at the Recovery Project. You guys take care of yourself, be well, and we'll see you soon.